And somebody said, amen. Jesus is everything you need. He's everything you need. I want to talk to you this morning about being blessed and refreshed in the Lord. We're in a series called Realignment or Realign Series or Realignment about getting back to what the church really is supposed to be to kind of get realigned and readjusted on uh, as we go through the book of Acts. And today, blessed and refreshed, Acts chapter 3, verse 11. How many people are blessed? Amen. Amen. So uh, Beth and I grew up about an hour south of St. Louis, and they have a Six Flags that growing up for years we would go to. Multiple times a year we'd have those passes and we would go. And you're blessed as a, you know, if you have the opportunity to go to something like that, a theme park, you're living that close. So you, you enjoy going. It's a blessing to go, uh, to be able to find that place. And there's awesome things to do. And so Beth loves roller coasters and uh, I have come to compromise and love what my wife loves, you know, over the years, you know, you kind of just do that. So we would go uh, and uh, the, Missouri is not as hot as Louisiana, but it can get pretty hot and in the summer, the lines would get so long that you would wait, if you've been to the places like this, three hours sometimes just to ride one ride. I don't know about you, but I'm just like, this is not worth it. This is not worth it. Three hours or one ride, I can go home, sit on the couch, watch TV. But you're in there, and just to even make the trip worth it, because it's, a, it's a fun to go, it's a good thing to go and, and get the ride, and it's three minutes over, you know, three-hour line wait, and three minutes the ride's over. But one of the things they do is as you're waiting in this line, they have these big misting fans. How many know? what I'm talking about. You might have one. And so it's kind of like this. The journey is rough and hard, and it's great when you get there. But along the way, if I didn't have those fans, it wouldn't be worth it, right? And so you're waiting three hours, and it's kind of like one of those things you do, like you're waiting, and you just happen to get in front of the fan, and the line has continued to go on. They're like, hey, sir, go. You're just waiting. You just wait, because what you want to do, you want to go from fan to fan. That's the strategy. You want to go from refreshing to refreshing to refreshing, because the line ain't worth the wait, right? Uh, it's great to be there. It's great to do that. But man, if you didn't have moments of refreshing, it wasn't going to be worth it. Life can be that way sometimes. This is like this wilderness journey. And you're blessed if you're saved by Jesus. You've got salvation and there's a destination coming that's going to be worth the wait. But sometimes along the way, if you don't have moments of refreshing, it can seem like the line ain't worth it. It can seem like it's too long and too far. And maybe today you have gone through these moments where it has been a long moment between refreshing and refreshing. God is so good. He wants to give you all of himself. And you don't have to wait to heaven to experience more of him. That's the promise of the Holy Spirit. So uh, I'll be honest, I... Uh, Years ago, I, uh, I was in ministry, Beth and I, we were married in ministry and uh, going through a kind of a difficult season in, our, in, in some health issues, but also in some spiritual journey, just trying to find who you were in God and then just personal struggles. And so uh, everything was good on the outside. I mean, I'm doing great and I pray every day and read my Bible and missionary, you know, go to missions trips and preach and teach and everything's great. I love my wife and we were doing great. But one day, someone, uh, in the, I was in, right before service, and somebody comes up to me, and you know, everybody says, hey, how are you, how are you? And we know some time, don't mean it. You just say, how are you, and you pass by, people by. So someone says, hey, how are you? But it was one of those ones where it's like, no, really, how are you? And when this person said this to me, I heard the Lord asking it. I heard, and I was just going to say, hey, fine, doing great, going with my, my, you know, with the rest of the day. But when that person said it, I heard God say it. And he said, Heath, 
No, how are you really? And I'm talking a floodgate of tears just started welling up inside of me. I'm like shocked. I'm like, what in the world? I'm having a nurse breakdown. And I just began, I just like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then I went on and I just went down to my office and I was like, what is going on with me? I had no idea how not well I was doing. It had been a long time since I had been refreshed by God. And I don't know if that speaks to any one of you this morning or not. Because sometimes we don't know how not well we really are. You can lead a profile picture of perfection, but you can deal with an emptiness of loneliness and rejection. Whether it's the brokenness of a failed relationship, maybe it's the shame of secret sin, maybe it's feeling like you've never lived up to someone's expectations in your life, maybe you feel like you never achieved your dreams, maybe you've wanted more from life but you never knew how to get it, Maybe you've wished you could tell your spouse how to give you more of what you need, but you don't have the words to tell them. Maybe you wish you could be a better parent, but you feel like you're never enough. Or maybe even on your best days, if we are all honest, none of us ever feel 100%. Even on our best days, there's always something you wish you could change about yourself or your life. Even on your best day, if you're really honest. Some people will try to find and alleviate this. They'll turn to alcohol, to drugs, or to sex, relationships. Some will pour themselves into work, some into food or to entertainment, trying to numb it, trying to ignore it. And that emptiness is always short-lived and often has some kind of consequence behind it anytime you try to fill it with something else. This is proof that you and I are not complete in ourselves. I am not enough for me. My wife is not enough for me. You are not enough for me. There is a God-shaped hole in all of us, and only He can fill it. I'm not enough. I am insufficient, and I need God to be the source of my soul's supply. I need Him to be sufficient for me. And that's why the world is broken and empty and turning to all these things, even the church, you can long for a love, but you'll never receive it from others. Your purpose will never be found in your busy calendar. Your acceptance will never be found in the image of your body. This sense of achievement will never be found in your work. A security will never be found in anything you could ever own or anything or anyone you could ever be with. Every human is longing to feel love, security, and acceptance. And there are moments arise in your life when the journey has gotten too hard and too tough and too long and too hot and you realize your soul is crying out, I need a moment of refreshing with God. I need a moment of refreshing with God. We all need God. And here's the good news. God is so good. He does not just want to bless you by saving you. He wants to fill you with moments of refreshing from the Holy Spirit. He wants to bless you and refresh you. And I want to tell you, the most transforming, memorable, life-changing moments of my life have been the tangible encounters I've had with God. Nothing else compares. Not any plaque on my wall, not any achievement of a church building or something we've done, not even I love my family, I love my children, but nothing compares, nothing compares to knowing and meeting God. I am at my best when I am refreshed by God. Look with me in Acts chapter 3, verse 11. If you're there, somebody say amen. amen. Peter is about to talk about times of refreshing. And so 
Peter, let's give you the background. Peter and John, uh, this is uh, several months maybe after the Acts 2 moment where the 120 have uh, received the power of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people got added to the church. They're meeting from house to house and, and just really being that spirit-filled church. And Peter and John go at 3 p.m. to the hour of prayer to the temple. And along the way, they see this beggar. Peter is impromptu by the Lord impressed by the Lord to go to him and speak to him. And, and if you didn't miss that last message, listen online. But he says, silver and gold have I none. What I have I give to you. Rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. And he does. And he begins leaping and dancing. And they go into this hour of prayer together. And this healing provides an opportunity for Peter to tell people who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he's willing to do. If you'll just believe and receive him, you'll find out who he is, what he's done, and what he's still willing to do. And the first thing he says, that he's come to bless us. So let's talk about the blessing. He says, the blessing, let's read it together. Acts chapter 3, verse 11. While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them, and at the portico named Solomon's, completely astonished. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why are you staring at us as though by our own power or godliness we've made him walk? And here's this gospel message. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of your fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom handed over and disowned the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one. You asked for a murder to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of life whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, there this is, this key phrase, on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. It's the name of Jesus who strengthened this man who you see here and now. And the faith which comes through him has given him perfect health in the presence of you all. So now, brothers, I know that you all acted in ignorance just as your rulers also did. But the things which God previously announced by the mouth of the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he's fulfilled it in this way. Verse 19, here's the key. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times or seasons of refreshing may come from the presence, what? The presence of the Lord, and he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you. He says, number one, there is a blessing. And I love here, in this one passage, one of the uh, early sermons we have in Acts, and he says, there is a name that saves, heals, and delivers. And there is a name which is above every name. And it's in the name of Jesus. Faith in this name. This is the thing that you see before you. This healing is proof. Jesus is who he says he is. And he gives these titles. I want you to just kind of look real quick with me. He says, who is he? He is, number one, the servant of God. He's the suffering servant of Isaiah who took your shame and your sin. He bore it on the cross. He says, he's the servant of God. Number two, he says, he's holy and the righteous one. That even demons knew who this guy was and they fled and trembled. He's holy. He's righteous. Even the, the gates of hell knew who he was. He's the prince and the author of life. And even though you killed the author of life, it was impossible, it says, for death to hold him in his grasp. And he got up on the third day. He's the prince of God. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, today making intercession for you. He's not dead. He's still alive. He says he was a prophet a few verses later. Just like Moses was leading people out of captivity and through the baptism of water and by fire of the Holy Spirit through the wilderness of sin, literally the wilderness of sin, this prophet is greater than 
Moses. He is a mighty miracle worker. He has gone before you as a mediator to make intercession from your sin. He can lead you out of Egypt's captivity. He can lead you out of sin, baptize you in the Holy Spirit, walk with you this journey, and take you to the place where the Lamb was slain. He's the prophet of God. And lastly, he says, he is the Christ, the Messiah. That means the anointed one. That means he's the Davidic king. He's the son of David. He's seated on the eternal throne that the gates of hell will never prevail against. It's going to go on and on and on. And this kingdom's going to come and be established and every knee will bow and tongue confess. This guy is king of kings and Lord of lords. That's the gospel. That's who Jesus is. And how many people have faith? He is all of these things. He says, you have to believe this healing is proof. He is alive and he is who he says he is he's got a blessing in that and peter says because of this name that's the name it's so many things you can't just say just one name all those things he gives look how many names he gives all of this name this name saves he says even your sins will be wiped away i looked it up in the greek it literally means obliterated your sins will be obliterated. They'll be washed away white as snow as if they never were. There'll be no coming back for them. They'll be done and finished. And even the devil's going to come back and accuse you and lie. But you can stand on the blood of Jesus Christ with confidence. My sins are obliterated. They've exploded. They're gone. They're not even in a million pieces. They can never be put back together. That's how complete. That's how finished this stuff is. It's done. It's once and for all wiped away. And this blessing has come to you. Galatians 3.14 tells us that blessing through Christ Jesus, that through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the nations with the same blessing he promised Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. You see, when you partake of Jesus, you're blessed. Jesus becomes that manna in the wilderness. He is the bread of life that came down from heaven for you. When you are walking through these long, hot lines trying to get through things, you can remember that Jesus is that water of life. Paul said it was a rock that even followed them through the desert. And that spring of water that Moses struck that rock and Jesus was stricken for you. And the Spirit of God came from him and gave refreshing to your soul. As you're going through this wilderness of worldly sin, this world is dying and perishing. They're thirsty and dry. You have something that no Nobody else has. You have a river that makes glad the city of God. There is a place that is not shaken. There is a rock on which to stand. His name is Jesus. This is the gospel. And if that doesn't excite you, I'm sorry. You ain't got it yet. This is the blessing. You are blessed. You are welcomed into the covenant of God. You are the redeemed of the Lord. You're blessed. And I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but you have to let the truth of God go beyond your feelings. You are who he says you are, and he is who he says he is. You're blessed. You should leap for joy like this man. When this man got it, it wasn't just about his external healing. He met Jesus that day. He began to leap and to shout and to dance. He walked into a prayer meeting that was dead and dull and dry, and he's the only one that had Jesus in that prayer meeting, and he was the only one dancing and shouting. Man, when he walked in, he turned that whole prayer meeting upside down. Because all they had was religion, but he had Jesus. You see, the church, the world should see a difference between religion and relationship with Jesus. There should be a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. I mean, there's a leaping that comes when you know 
I am free from sin. He has restored my soul. I am fully loved and fully accepted by him. So let me tell you something. When you're having those days when you don't feel like your spouse has given you enough, when you don't feel like you're good enough as a parent, when you don't feel like you've achieved enough in your life, you just know to God you're enough. To God, you're enough. You are his child. You are blessed and redeemed. And he says so, and that's all that matters. Number one, blessing. Number two, refreshing. Just because we're saved by Christ, though, doesn't mean life gets any easier. In fact, the Bible says it gets harder. Hello. Scripture says you've got a fleshly body that has desires against the spirit. Scripture says you've got an enemy of your soul that seeks to wage war against you and fight a battle against you. Scripture says that there's even evil days ahead for the church. That, man, they're going to persecute you. Nations are going to hate you. People ain't going to like you because you're a Christian. You've got Jesus' name on you because you're blessed. He says, there's all these things against you. So you ever have those days that before you go into work or maybe before you come home, you just sit in your car and you, whew. Me and Pastor Christian do that quite a lot, don't we, Pastor Christian? There'll be days I get here and he's still sitting in his truck. It's 8 o'clock and I'm pulling behind him like, you all right? You going to make it today? He's like, I just got to have a moment. You know, there's those moments. We all have it. Let's be honest. Just to take a breath. To breathe? I don't know. I just got to have something before I go into work today. I just got to have something before I go deal with these kids today. I got to have something. Just, I need a moment. Just me alone, quiet with my Snickers bar. Right, ladies? Come on. There's just a moment. I need a moment just to get through my day. Because I am not sufficient in myself. I'm not good enough. And nobody else can fill that place for me. When you find your strength failing... Note this, you're not just blessed, and you don't have just a promise of blessing, but you have a promise of refreshing. You see, the Holy Spirit is God's seal of ownership. Paul said it would be like a foretaste of heaven. It's a deposit or a down payment, he says in Ephesians. He says it's proof of your redemption. Because you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have a foretaste of heaven. As in, this proof, this evidence of the Spirit in your life is proof that you're going to get this greater foretaste later. And he gives those moments to remind you, hold on, you're going to make it. Hold on, it's going to be worth it. Hold on, I'm still here with you. Remember when Jesus said and quoted Isaiah 55, in the moment of this great feast, he said, is anyone thirsty? Come. If anyone is thirsty, come of me and drink. He who believes in me, the scripture said, from his innermost being or belly would flow rivers of living water. What does he mean? That's that river that makes that city glad. That river that's up there in heaven, that river that is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, that river can come down in through you and out of you. Not, and when it comes out of you, that means it has to fill you first to be overflowing from you. It fills you completely. You are everything that God needs and, and everything God is. It's, it's all inside of you. And you say, God, you are sufficient. You are enough. I am who you say I am. And God, I have enough in you and you are my supply. And that river begins to flow out on you into your spouse and out on you. So you don't need joy from your spouse to give joy to your spouse. You don't need love from your spouse to give love to your spouse. You don't need patience from anybody else to give patience. You have that from your Father in heaven. He is enough. He is enough. You don't look to anywhere else, circumstances or people, to make it good for your life. God is sufficient for you. And he promises that river streams down into your innermost being. That is the soul part of you in the Greek. Innermost being, belly, is the soul. And that soul gets full of a river that never runs dry. And it comes out from the inside, outward. And it's not getting other people to fill me all the time and get enough. It's me looking to my Father, being full 
full enough and just flowing outward. That's the refreshing life that this man experienced that day. You see, the church, you have this promise. You are not meant to make it on this journey alone. God has seasons, moments. I'm going to look at these words just real quick. That word seasons or times is kairos. And it actually means in the opportune moment or in the fitting time or when the occasion requires it. That's what it means. When the occasion requires it, God's enough. When the occasion needs it, there's a moment, there's a season. That season could be a day, could be a week, could be a month. But when you're going through the moments that he knows you need it, it's there. It's there. It's an opportunity. It's an opportune moment. It's a limited period like a, a season. Like That's why we say season, like a spring, a summer, and fall. When it's hot, there's times in life you get weary and worn out and empty. These are times when God is wanting you to turn to him and say, God, I'm not trying to do this Christian life on my own. I'm not trying to be a husband or wife on my own. I'm not trying to be a parent on my own. I'm not trying to be a coworker on my own. I'm not trying to reach other people on my own. I'm not trying to live up to a standard on my own. God, I need this refreshing, this season of living water in my life. That's the times, the kairos, the moments you need it. And the refreshing in the Greek it means to be relieved or find rest or encouraged. And this is the only time, it's interesting, this is the only time this word is used in all of Scripture, this moment of refreshing. And, and if you really study it out, it means as if you had a long day's work. You ever do this? A long day's work and you go in and you take a big glass of sweet tea and you put your face right in front of the air conditioner, right, that moment. Or if you ever open the refrigerator and you put your head in just to, I just got to have a moment. And someone's like, what are you doing? You're standing there in the deep freeze. You know, I just need a moment. That's season of refreshing. That's that moment of just a sense that somebody's looking at you like, I just did that this week, right? Uh, that's that moment of refreshing. You take a cool drink, ah, refreshed, something, a sense of relief, or maybe you've, you've had a, a, a moment where you've got to catch your breath, and then there's a bad smell or something, and you walk out into fresh air, and you just breathe it in, ah, refreshing. That's what the Holy Spirit's like, and even better. He's even better. Just a moment to where, ah. Just take him in. Just take him in. And I don't care if it's at the drive-thru at McDonald's. Take him in. If it's going in the middle of the Walmart checkout counter, take him in. Wherever you are, you can just have a moment of refreshing from the Holy Spirit. And there are those who give up on this journey. There are those who turn back to natural things because this journey is hard, but they don't know the promise of refreshing. You're blessed, but you can also be refreshed. Do you need refreshing today? How do you get there, Pastor Heath? How does that happen? Two things. He says, repent and believe, or repent and have faith. Repent means I have to turn from my will and care and control and turn to God. I turn from my own way of doing life, my own way of feeling, my own way of figuring it out, and I turn to God. Some people think repentance is just this initial moment when you get saved and I don't do drugs anymore and I don't have relations anymore and I don't gamble. And I do. That's that first moment. But repentance is a daily thing. It means giving up. It means saying, I'm not enough. I don't have all that it takes to get through life. I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough. I don't feel good enough about myself. That's okay. Admit it. Own it. You're not good enough because anytime you think you can handle it, you're not repenting. Anytime you think you can just push through, and I'm just going to be a man, I'm going to make it, I'm just going to try harder. No, you're not repenting. Give up. You're a sorry sinner. You don't deserve anything God can ever give you, and you can never make this life on your own. You are totally unable to do anything good. Paul says in Romans 7, apart in my sinful nature, there is nothing good in me. 
But when I turn to him, I find blessing and refreshing. He is enough. He is sufficient. He is my strength. He is my song. He is my hiding place. He is my high tower. He is my joy. He is my peace. He is my patience. He is my love. He is. It's all in him. Take no credit for yourself. Realize how good he is. That's repentance. Repentance is totally saying, I can't do it. I give up. Now, Lord, you've got to do it through me. See, one of the things we try to do in this Christian journey is we try to help God out. We try to say, well, God, I'm going to put all these works in, and I need your spirit to come behind me and help me do better. I'm going to just give more and pray more and do more, and Lord, I need your strength to supply me as I do these things. Well, that's not real repentance. That's where people get burnt out because they've been doing it actually by their own self and asking God to bless what they're doing. Repentance is where you totally say, I'm totally incapable. I am a fool. I am an idiot. I don't know anything. I can't figure this out. I have nothing good. There's nothing I can do. Lord, I'm just totally dependent. Just fill me. Baptize me in your spirit. God, refresh me. Give me the knowledge. Give me the wisdom. Give me the patience. And I'm waiting, Lord, for you to do it through me and not just to me. Are you with me this morning? Repentance, repentance. And the second thing he says, it's faith. You see, Peter and John were quick to say, guys, it was not my power, it was not my piety, it was not my holiness, it wasn't my knowledge, it wasn't my PhD, my education, it wasn't the fact that I haven't walked three years with Jesus. There is nothing we did to this man. It was simply the faith in his name. It wasn't how good of a preacher Peter was. It wasn't how holy Peter was. It wasn't how knowledgeable Peter was. It wasn't a three-step process to see your healing come tomorrow with a check in the mail. It wasn't anything he could do. He said, this is all Jesus. Faith in his name. What is faith? Faith has nothing to do with us but everything to do with him. Faith in his name is believing and trusting who Jesus is, what he's done and what he's willing to do. Faith is the currency of heaven and it is the agent of change. Listen to this before we wrap up. Faith is the agent of change. Ari and I, uh, we went on a family vacation uh, a couple weeks ago, and we did this little spy game at the Houston Kids Museum. And, and uh, the museum is wonderful if you don't, I'm not getting any money off it, but if you go, great, it's, go, it's a good thing. But you do this little spy, it's kind of like a, an escape room, but you become a secret agent through the whole museum. And Ari uh, got wristbands and this little booklet, a code booklet, and you were to go through the museum and have this little USB thing, and, and you got little clues and codes along the way that got you to the next step. And you didn't have a clue what you were doing. You just follow this little booklet and, and try to decipher the clues and the codes and make it along the way. And sometimes you're doing all kinds of loops and laps going up and down the stairs, just trying to figure it out. But each step of the way, you just trust what the book said and you do it and it leads you to the next step. And at the end of it, we figured out, wow, that made sense. Now I get it. We won. We did it. And we went, won the game. We were secret agents, Right. Faith is the agent of change. It's the currency of heaven. And I didn't understand the process. I just listened to the book and did it. I didn't have it all figured out. I didn't know how the whole game worked. I didn't see the end. I just knew this is what we have to do next. Trust in what I was given and apply it to the next situation. Faith is that agent of change in your life. Faith is just trusting. He is who he says he is. He's good to his word, and God is so good, he wants to bless you and refresh you. But you have to believe it in order to receive it. You have to accept that he is that good, that he is that loving, that he is that powerful, that he's able, and that he's, listen, he's willing. 
Sometimes we think we're not good enough to deserve it. That's true, you're not, but he's good enough to give it. He's still good enough to give it. Look, and I'm going to close with this verse. Look in Luke 11, 9. You see, I think some of the reasons we don't receive as much of the Holy Spirit today as we ought to is one, we have the pride issue that we haven't fully repented to totally be desperate for it. So we don't come and seek it. There's that. And two is, we don't think he's either able or good enough to want to give it. But look what Jesus says. He says, I say to you, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by a son for a fish. Will he give him a snake instead of a fish? No. Will his, if he's asked for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? No. If you being evil, meaning we're all this sinful generation, know how to give a good gift to your kid, how much more will your good heavenly Father give what's the context of this verse? The Holy Spirit to those who ask. He is good enough to give it. He's able to give it. He wants you to have it. He says, all you have to do is say, God, I'm not enough, and you are all that I need. And I don't care where you are and what station of life you are, God is willing to save you, he's willing to fill you, and then again, Christian, he's willing to fill you and fill you and fill you each and every step of this journey called life. But you have to believe God wants to do it. And then you have to repent enough to say, God, I know you are what I need. And he says, when you ask me, kid, child, Son, daughter, when you ask me, just ask me in faith, realizing you're not enough. And as you empty yourself out, I'll begin to fill. I'll begin to fill. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Do you believe he's a God who loves to give blessing? Do you believe he's a God who loves to give refreshing? Do you believe that if you ask, you will receive? That's how good our God is. That's how good our God is. Church, you just got to believe He wants to do it. He will do it. But you've got to want it enough. You've got to believe how good He is and say, Lord, I know You are all that I need. You're here today and number one, you say, Pastor Heath, if I was to die today, I don't know where I'd spend eternity with Jesus. I don't know where I would spend eternity. I, I'm not certain. I don't have a security in my salvation. I know there are things in my life that are not where they ought to be. And I realize I've been trying to do this life apart from God. There's been things I've been carrying and trying to hide. And, and now I just need to come into the light and I just need to surrender all my efforts to Him. I need Jesus to save me. You're here today and that's you. We're not kidding around. We're going to just be serious just for a moment. This is the most important part of our day. You need to know Jesus. You need to have him in your life. And it's time to come home. It's time to give up. It's time to come in. Time is running short. And he loves you. His son has died for you. Jesus has come to save you because he loves you. Would you come? That's you, Pat. And you say, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me? You just put your hand up, put it right back down. We're just going to pray for you today.